you for your presence. Thank you for truth. Thank you that your word is so true to us. We value, we value these times together. We value time around your word to receive from your word, receive from the anointing, the things that are being declared and said, Father, that they impact our lives. We believe that signs follow those who believe. Tonight, I know that signs follow those who believe. And as they believe this message tonight, entitled Believe, that it's going to produce great results in their lives. I believe that. I thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it tonight in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen and amen and amen. A good, good father. Amen? He is a good, good, good father. So, tonight, um, reminding you, I mean, how, how good was the message Sunday, huh? Was that a great word? That was a great word by Brother John. Man, I appreciate him being here and, and delivering that word to us. Woo! It was just a, a brilliant word, a short word, but to the point, and I mean, it, it grabbed each and every one of us in this house. Yeah. Glory to God. It was an amazing word. Um, <clears throat> just a reminder, um, the next two Sundays, we're finishing our series on integrity that produces freedom, and I'm going to give you a, a definition of integrity tonight. Integrity is the result of a person that learns humility by purposing. You, mean, you know, humility has nothing to do with anybody else. It has to do with the choice from you and I. But <clears throat> when I humble myself under God's mighty hand, then he exalts. And what comes as a result of humility is the liberty, the, the liberation, the deliverance from pride. And, and when humility delivers a person from pride, the result is integrity. You don't want to miss these last two messages. Because um, understanding true humility is something that, has, that is lacked. Uh, it, 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 it's been lacking in the church, understanding real humility. A lot of people think humility is a negative thing. It's, it's, it, it, and, and actually, it's what empowers us. The Bible says, in his day, the most humble man on the earth was Moses. And, and the most humble man was the most used man that we have record of in, in his day and his time. You want to be used by God, you understand how to humble yourself under his mighty hand. It's not a negative thing, it's a positive thing. It's something that we actively do every day. And I promise you, there's some people that think, well, well if you're preaching on that, Pastor, you know, I, I, I don't have an issue with pride. <clears throat> well, that's pride in itself, <clears throat> right? Uh, and, and so everybody deals with pride. You know why? Because you live in this. Everybody deals with pride. So, look at your neighbor, said he's talking to us, right? <clears throat> he's talking to us. Not, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to us. Me, all of us. Anybody that's in a flesh and blood body deals with pride. Anybody. Anybody. Everybody. And if we deal with pride, and the Bible's full of scriptures that talk about how destructive pride is, actually... Pride comes before a what? <laughs> Fall. Destruction. Pride. We need to understand it. You need to listen to the first two messages. If you haven't, go on the, on the website and, and listen to them or download them. Those messages, you need to listen to those. And you need to do everything you can to be here and listen to these other two messages that we have. Because I spent a lot of time on this. And a lot of this are things that I've walked out and dealt with in my own life. And, and it's not... Pride isn't something that you deal with once. It's something that you deal with, you understand what it is, and then you stand guard against it. And, and the way you stand against it is by understanding what true humility is. Not false humility, 
Not, not false humility. We're going to define what both of those look like uh, on Sunday. So be here, and, and you'll be blessed as a result of it. Amen? So <clears throat> how many remember the series I did back in December on believe? Two of you. Good, good, good. It was impacting. <clears throat> really impacted everybody's life. Um, during, during that series, we showed, we showed uh, video clips, movie clips. How many remember the, the video clip of the Santa Claus about believing? How many remember when I walked out here with my wig on, uh, my uh, William Wallace wig uh, from Braveheart? Anybody remember my William Wallace wig? So <clears throat> the, uh, uh, the, the clip from the clip from Braveheart is, to me, one of the most impacting, and I'm using it again tonight. I want, I want you to watch it, and if you don't know Braveheart, you don't know the story of how, um, how the Scottish people got liberated from England. William Wallace was their leader, and, and um, he actually didn't lead them in the defeat. They killed him before that. They, they took him out. But uh, Robert the Bruce, there were many Bruces through the years that had traditions of making the, causing the Scottish people to think that they had their best interest when they didn't. So they were the leaders, but all they, all they really cared about was filling their pockets and getting more land for themselves and just protecting their family and their history line. And, and, and the Scottish people, as a result, were, were, were paupers, they, they were ravaged, and, and the English, the England just overtook them, and, and it was a horrible time in, in their history. But they were liberated as a result of the vision that William Wallace had for that nation to be liberated and free from the, that tyranny, from the, from the dictatorship and the control that England had on them. And... Um, and in this, in, in this, Robert the Bruce had a lot of tradition. Uh, Brother John mentioned the verse of Scripture that the traditions of men make the Word of God of no effect. And many times we have traditions in our life that keep us from being able to break loose and get free. And Robert the Bruce was one of them, and some things, some ugly things happened, and he deceived William Wallace, and it's really the, actually the reason why William Wallace gave up because he thought Robert the Bruce was with him. And, and the clip you're going to see right now is the, on the heels of the battle, the last battle that William Wallace was in, that they lost because Robert the Bruce lied to him and his people didn't come and, and do their part that they were supposed to to beat the English. And they would have. To, to, and and they, they would have won in that battle had Robert the Bruce kept his word, and he didn't. Then he repented, he dealt with himself, and we see this clip here about, about truly believing in something and, and understanding what real believing is about. And I love this clip. Let's, let's watch it just for a second. I'm the one who's rotting, but I think your face looks graver than mine. Son. We must have alliance with England to prevail here. You achieved that. You saved your family, increased your land. In time, you will have all the power in Scotland. Lands, titles, men, power, nothing. Nothing. I have nothing. Men fight for me. Because if they do not, I throw them off my land and I starve their wives and their children. Those men who bled the ground red at Falkirk, they fought for William Wallace and he fights for something that I've never had. And I took it from him when I betrayed him and I saw it in his face on the battlefield. And it's tearing me apart. Well, all men betray. All lose heart. I don't want to lose heart! I want to believe. 
as he does. I will never be on the wrong side again. I'll never be on the wrong side again. Tonight, that wrong side is your and my thinking. I've made up my mind I'm never going to be on the wrong side of the way that God thinks. And however God thinks, so do I. I was in a conversation with a friend of mine that is, he's a, he's a really good man, uh, has good morals, uh, is, is, a, is a church attender, uh, but, he, but he has very little understanding, very little understanding of how God thinks. And I believe people everywhere in this country, we'll just talk about this country tonight, I believe every, there are many people all over this nation right here that feel the way that he felt right there. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that kind of a person. I want to believe in something. And God has given us his word to believe in. And to believe is to be single-minded, to think one way only. And everybody sitting in here, you have multiple thoughts and ideas about specific things, and it takes time to go from multiple to singular thinking. Because doubt and unbelief comes from double-mindedness, and when you're doubled in your thinking, you'll be talked out of what God says is true. And you'll find yourself betraying and letting things down and letting, and, and you, you, you can't let God down because God can't be let down. But if you could let God down like he let down William Wallace, and when he saw it in his eyes on the battlefield, you didn't see the picture of it, but if you've seen the movie, he saw it in his eyes and he realized he, he, had, a, he had a hoodie over his head, so William Wallace didn't know who it was that had betrayed him. And when he jerked it off, he saw it and he saw it in his eyes. He had been betrayed. You can't betray God because God's, God already won. Yeah. <laughs> See, you, 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 you can't betray him to where he would lose a battle. He's already won it all. But whether that winning attitude and the manifestations of winning happen in your and my life, it's that we believe in him. And specifically, whether we believe his word. Can you say amen? Now, I want you to look at a verse of scripture, Second Chronicles, um, Old Testament, Second Chronicles 20, and verse 20. And I'm just going to, I, I just want to look at a this specific verse at something in this, a long verse, even in the, even in the New King James, it's a long verse. Um, and it says this, so they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Hear me, gates of the city, and you inhabitants of Kerr County, wherever you live. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets. Believe, don't underestimate the spoken and the preached word, and you'll prosper. Don't underestimate and devalue these times where you are here to hear the word and do something with the word that you hear because if you do, you'll prosper. I'm going to read it again. He said, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. 
Believe in his prophets. When he says the prophets, he's talking about the spoken word. Believe in those who bring the word to you and you will prosper. In other words, believe in the word that they bring. See, if we weren't, if, if I was bringing a message to you that was just rooted in Braveheart, and it was just a bunch of stories about good examples in Braveheart, was that a good example about believing right there? Yeah, but if you don't establish that in the Word, it'll does nothing for you. The movie in itself will do nothing for you. But if you're established in this, you can watch a movie like that and get what we just got out of that. There's the difference. Everybody get the difference? Everybody say, I got it. It matters that we get that, that we understand it. We don't underestimate the power of the spoken and the preached word. <clears throat> Very familiar passage, Mark chapter 11. We've talked about it many, many, many times. Mark chapter 11. And verse 23. <clears throat> Last part of 22 says, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt, everybody say doubt, does not, does not, does not, does not doubt in his heart. Whoever says to the mountain, be removed. Whoever says to sickness, be gone. Whoever says to this situation and does not doubt. Okay? And, and, and what did I just say? And we'll define it a little bit more in, in a moment. What did I say that doubt was? It's double-minded. It's, it's more than one thought about a specific thing. So if I don't take the Word and let the Word develop me and get rid of all my generational ideas, all of my ideas that I've gotten from listening to everybody and their dog other than the Word of God that have told me things about health and healing in my body or whatever the issue is, if I don't get the Word on the situation, then I'll have doubt in my heart. See, what I'm working at is renewing my mind so I deliver my heart from multiple ideas about how to get the, to the result. God has one way to get there for you. Everybody has a journey. Everybody say, I have a journey. Everybody's on a journey. And in your journey, your journey can't be the next person's journey. Don't compare how things work for you or don't work for you. Never compare. Ever, ever. You're on a journey. And in that journey, what determines the outcome in your life is how much investment you put into what we're talking about tonight. Am I developing and renewing my mind to change the attitude of my heart? If he does not believe in his heart, then what he says isn't going to come to pass. If he doesn't believe in his heart. He said, but he believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, verse 24, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. What does to believe you receive them mean? To believe that you receive them means to have no doubt in your heart. In other words, you've done the due diligence, you've done and worked on the process of your journey to rid yourself of multiple ideas, and they've become singular to where you know you are the healed in Christ because he said it. And if I don't do the work, and I don't do the, the, the process, things will come and things will happen, and we many times don't get the results that we're looking for, but that doesn't change the Word of God. Ever. It's never changed the word. Can you say amen? amen? James chapter 1, look at it with me. James chapter 1. <clears throat> say this after me. Believing, Believing. is a choice. 
But I want to, I want to say something about your choice in this passage of Scripture right here. Verse 2 of James 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Do what? Count it all joy when I find, fall into various trials. Count it joy when I fall into various trials. You know what that sounds like is, be really happy about having real difficult times. But that's not what it says. It says count it. Now, remember that as we, as we read the rest of this. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It's producing something. Let, and, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man, woman, suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord. Because why? They're double-minded. What does that mean? That they, they, they have two different sets of ideas about how to come to the place of gaining wisdom so that I can overcome in the situation that I'm in. Two different ideas, and usually it's more than two, it's multiple ideas, multiple thought processes. God wants you and I delivered of those kind of things. Well, we're talking, I told you about our series on Sunday concerning, the, the, these next two, concerning pride and humility that produce an integrity that can't be stopped in the earth. And many people, many people, have never gone to God because they've, when, when, when I said to you a minute ago that, that believing is a choice, but if you've had no development, if you've had no teaching to develop in, in you what has caused doubt and unbelief, and it's not been worked out of you, and you don't have the tools to work it out of you, then the choice is kind of made up for, 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 on its own. In other words, you're choosing based on the information that you have. God wants you and I, by faith, to ask for wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the extraction of knowledge that gives you the power to overcome. And in the development, he said, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. What is he saying? He's saying, count it joy. He didn't say be joyful. He didn't say be glad and happy and all those kind of things because you're going through difficult times. What he's saying is take the opportunity to become a doer of the word, to learn to ask God, God, I don't know what to do about this situation. I don't know how to handle this. I'm frustrated. I feel overwhelmed in this situation. I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. Good. Ask me for it. Lord, I ask you for wisdom. I ask you to show me what to do in this situation. Will God answer that prayer? You know, you know what I think? I think that the majority of Christians have never even asked God just something simple like what I just said right there. Why? Because we've been trained to worry, to be fretful, to be overcome with circumstances. He said, count it joy. He didn't say it was. He said, count it that way. Be excited that you've got an opportunity to begin to practice the word and develop the word and develop patience and develop confidence so that your journey begins to get rid of doubt and unbelief. Double standard. More than one idea about knowing what to do in a situation. And what's happening is if you give the word of God place and you give God the ability to reveal his wisdom and understanding, you become single-minded. And he said, let that man know that he'll receive from God. Because if you get the wisdom you need, to apply to a situation that you're needing help in, and you get it because in the midst of difficult times, you've trusted God, you've developed that, you've become a doer of the word. Maybe it's not been pretty, maybe it's been super difficult, maybe you've been frustrated through it, but if you didn't quit and you keep going with it, there's no end to the results that will come because he said, if you trust me, you'll get the results. And we see it clearly right here. If we trust him, we will get the results every single time. Can you say amen? Wow, I'm stirred up. <clears throat> anyway. For let 
not that man, verse 7, suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord because he's double-minded, has more than one way of thinking. Doubt and unbelief is set in, so you know you're doubting, you know you're, you're frustrated, you know that you're not really trusting God, so here's the opportunity to begin to trust him. Now, I'm going to show you a couple things about how to apply that. Um, Robert the Bruce, this is what he said. You heard him say this. I will never be on the wrong side again. Ever. I can say, I can say that I've said that in so many words. In certain areas of my life, where I struggled in my mind at different times, when I gained the victory, I said in myself, that's what faith says, I will never be on that side of faith. I will never be on the doubt side of faith. I'm always going to think like God. In other words, and I wrote a number of different things down, I'm healed. I will never be on the sick side again, ever. I'll never be there. I, I, I refuse to be there. Well, you mean, Pastor, you, you, you never have symptoms in your body? I didn't say that. I said, I, I said, my thinking, see, what he said right there is, I'll never be on the wrong side again. And with you and I, that has to do with the way that we think. I will never be on the sick side again. I mean, I, 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 I'm not exaggerating when I say this. If somebody came into this place right here with a gun to my head telling me that I had to say that I'm sick, unload. I'm not doing it. I refuse to say that I'm sick. Where did that come from? That's never going to happen. Okay? That will never happen. Nobody's going to put a gun to my head. I'm saying, I'm, I'm making the point. You will never hear me say, I'm sick. I'm not sick. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. You see, what I'm telling you is the way I think. And I only just think it in my head, I know it in my heart. And when symptoms come against me or symptoms come against anybody else, anybody, any of the rest of my family or people here, If I get a text that somebody's been attacked in their body, usually they'll get a text back from whoever in the prayer team got that from me because I'm declaring that you're what God says you are. You see? I didn't say symptoms don't come. I didn't say there's not battles or things that everybody walks through. But I refuse to say that I'm sick because by his stripes I am healed. I will never go I will never go to the other side where that's concerned ever again. Because I was told, I was told in so many words, we're the sick trying to get well. And I found out from the word that we're the healed and we're letting sickness and disease know it has no right to remain in our bodies. Did you hear what I'm saying? Vital that we understand how to process that. You know, if somebody's struggling, somebody's got something in their body, something's going on in there, and, and uh, if, if, you know, if James has a big cut down the front of his leg, and I said, man, James, that's an that's a ugly-looking cut. No, I don't have a cut. No, 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 no. He's in denial. No, he's got a cut, but we're declaring that thing is healing up, and, and, and whatever, where, whatever he wants to pray and believe God about, but to deny that it's there is lying. I'm not talking about denial. Some people think that those who believe that they're the healed in Christ are in total denial of natural circumstances. No, we're not in denial. We're just letting those circumstances know they don't have a right to remain in our body because of what Jesus Christ did. Can you say amen tonight? I'm a winner, and I'm not a loser. I had people when I was young tell me I was a loser. I hear words of people telling. I, I had a guy one time that worked for my father in the golf business, and, and one day this guy told, he, he looked at me, he told me, he said, you'll never amount to anything. In so many words, that's what he told me. I heard those words for years. I fought against those. I tried to do things to make other people think that I was successful until I came to the revelation. I'm a winner because of him. 
I don't care what anybody else says. People can call you whatever they want to call you, but he calls you a winner. You're more than a conqueror through Christ who has loved you and empowered you to overcome in every situation. Everybody say, I'm a winner. I'm not a loser. Glory to God. I am loved by God, and I am not despised. I'm loved by God. I found that out. I'm settled. I'll never go. I'll never go there. There's many opportunities. You can feel unloved. You can feel like people don't care. You can become the victim. You can feel this and get into self-pity and all those kind of things. I mean, people do it all the time. All of us have done it at different times. Remember, remember, everybody deals with the flesh. And all this stuff that I'm talking about is in the flesh. Everybody deals with the flesh. But are we going to remain victims and stay, you know, these victims of the flesh and the things that happen to us in the flesh? Or are we going to continue to be who he says we are? I'm loved by God. I am not despised. Can you say amen to that? I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm up here where he is. Wherever he is, here I am. I'm not here with him. I'm not even up here. But wherever he is, so am I. We're with him. He said we are. We're children of the Most High. We're connected to him, right? And if God is for you, then nobody can be against you whatsoever. So I'm the head, I'm not the tail, I'm above, and I'm not underneath. And I will never go to that that side of that thinking, that doubt and unbelief. Well, yeah, I know what it says, but you don't know the situation that happened. No, I'm not going there. Situation can come and go. Situations will come and go. I'm going to tell you this again. Situations will come and go, but you are who God says you are, and you have to settle it. Remember, each one of us are on a journey, and nobody can be on your journey for you. You have to learn faith. Who's been dealt faith? Every single one of us has been dealt the same measure of faith. What we do with the faith is up to us. And my faith can work for you to a point. Your faith can work for me to a point. But when push comes to shove and at the end of the day, it's how you develop it in your life that will determine the outcome of your journey. I wish it was different, but it's just not. It doesn't matter. I mean, same way with with husband and wife, with children, with, with, with whatever. I mean, in my household... I have greater faith for my household than I have in other places. But also, also, I have greater faith in this house with people that will allow me to exercise faith for them. See, see, if somebody's, well, you know, I, I don't know whether I believe that. Well, I can't do anything for you because just, just my faith... Unless God has given me instruction in one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. Unless he's, because the nine gifts of the Spirit don't work when I will them to work. They will when he wills them to work. You see? So unless God is ministering to me in, the, in, in, in one of the nine gifts of the Spirit, like the gifts of, uh, of miracles or the gifts of healings in manifestation, unless I'm operating in that, I have, I have my, 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 my sphere of influence in your life is only what you'd give me. Did you hear me? And if you believe that I have a sphere of influence, our agreement will be powerful. When my wife and I pray, we get results because we believe in each other. She believes in me and I believe in her. I believe the word that she has, she believes in the word that's in me. See, and, and the different ones of you in here, and I, w- I won't point out, but there's different ones of you in here, because I know you and you know me, you come to me and pray, we'll pray and we'll see results. But that's not with everybody, uh, unless they give you that, you see? So I don't want to underestimate the ability and power that you have to pray and believe God with other people, but at the end of the day, your journey is connected to God, you and God, you and God. Where humility is concerned that we're going to talk about on Sunday, the Bible says, you humble yourself under his mighty hand. Humility has nothing to do with anybody else. It has to do with you choosing to humble yourself. 
and so many different things in the scripture where it talks about promises, it has to do with the choice that you and I make to do what he says. Can you say amen to that? Um, <clears throat> so, I want to end tonight this one passage first. And, and we, we've read this many times um, in different series. But man, I love this verse of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. In other words, I know in whom I believe in. He, the Apostle Paul here is not saying, I know what I believe. He's saying, I know in whom I believe. And there's a huge difference. When you believe in the Lord your God, you'll be established. When you believe the word that is preached to you, like I'm preaching to you tonight, you'll prosper. Hasn't changed from 2 Chronicles 20 and that day and verse 20 to this day right here. And Paul made the statement here, I know in whom I have believed in. And, and, and how did he get there? He got there from multiple ways of thinking about everything in his life. He got there from many years of tradition being preached to him that made the word of God of no effect to where he had no wisdom and understanding of the things of God. He had a religious perspective of it. And many times we have a perspective of the word of God, but it's not based on truth. And in my journey, the only way that the word of God in the pages of the Bible become revelation and it becomes wisdom to me as me taking what I hear preached and applying it in my life. We talk about it here all the time. But you can't hear that enough, and tonight, you may have heard a hundred messages talking about being a doer of the Word, about taking the Word and applying it to your life, and tonight, your spirit man may have picked up something that you'd never gotten before. That's the way the word works. When you don't underestimate the power of the spoken word, the preached word, but you value it, then you're able to receive it, and what it does is it develops this relationship to where you say, as the Apostle Paul said right here, I know in whom I have believed. And when that sickness comes to my body, I know in whom I have believed, and I know that that has no right to remain in my physical body. I know it because I've done something with it. You can, you can yell and scream and holler like I'm doing right now, um, and, and that won't make something happen. Tonight, I'm just, uh, you know, in, in, in my teaching, I'm talking loud enough so you hear me. But I'm telling you what I believe. And, and every time I preach the word, do you think that I will be challenged with what I'm teaching you tonight? Individually, as an individual, will I be challenged with this right here? Absolutely. That's why the scripture says, don't many of you desire to be teachers because of what comes? Yeah, I'll be challenged with this right here. Is that going to scare me off? Am I going to be afraid of the devil and not teach something like this? Absolutely not. Amen? Absolutely not, and in the same way, you have to take the word, do something with it, so that you know in whom you believe, so when he comes to you, the enemy comes to you and tells you that you're a loser, no, 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 he made me a winner, no, he made me that way. It took many years for Robert the Bruce to come to the place, gosh, I love that statement, I will never go. I will never go. How, how, how did he word it? To the other side? Huh? I'll never be on the other side, right? Is that what he said? On the wrong side, yeah. Okay. 
I, had it, I had it played out in my head about five, time, five different ways. But I will never be on the wrong side. Ever. And the, and the right side is the winning side. At the end of this whole thing, folks, we win. I don't care how difficult it could be. I don't care how many things you've had to walk through. I'm telling you, in the end, you win. Because I know in whom I have believed. How many believe that heaven is a real place? How many believe that to get to heaven, you have to believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ? How many believe that tonight? To get to heaven, there's, it's not all roads that lead to heaven. But see, that, that's not a bad thing. And we're not going to go and, you know, stand on the street corner and teach that to everybody. You know, you know what I'm saying? We're not going to th- shove that down people's throats. There's no reason to. There's only one way to heaven because the word says it. So that means we've got to be busy doing what he says to do to love people and see people drawn into the kingdom. And if they're drawn into the kingdom, then if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then we don't have to, we don't have to try to establish some doctrine that there's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to heaven, but we don't have to establish a doctrine in that. We just have to teach people that the way to heaven is Jesus Christ. We don't give him 14 different opportunities to choose. We just give him him. Then, 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 then it's not, well, you know, but I got good friends, and they're good people, and they love God too, and uh, they just don't believe in Jesus. And Okay, okay, but, 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 but what about you? So you can't do anything about their friends, but you can do something about them. And if you do something about them and they become convinced of that, that Jesus is the way, then he'll, they'll help their friends. Yeah. You understand? We don't have to get in some debate, some doctrinal debate about there's only one way. Everybody look at me. There's only one way. Okay? But we don't have to make that the issue. The issue is Jesus Christ is real and he really does what he says and he really is here for us and if we'll do it his way we'll always win can you say i mean at the end of the day heaven's a real place that's our end result that's our destination is heaven and it is a real place when you leave here you're not dead okay you're not dead when you leave here because dead means cease to exist no you just stepped over into the other place and heaven is a real place it's another planet, it's another place, and anybody that's been a part of you that left here, that's where they're at, and you will see them again if you're born again. How many are born again tonight? Woo! Man, we've got heaven as a real place. We know in whom we have believed, amen, and we're confident that what he has promised, he's able to do it. Can you say amen? And I'm going to end with this. Remember, these are four messages, and I said a bunch of different things, but you can't, you can't talk about believing without looking at Luke chapter 1. So I couldn't let you go tonight without reading Luke 1 and verse 37 and 8. <clears throat> and this is the story and the process of how this whole thing happened where Mary believed. And verse 37 says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. <laughs> I'll never live on the other side of this right here. I'll never live on the other side or on the wrong side of believing, man, this just looks impossible. No, 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 no. The Bible says, for with God, nothing is impossible. Look, look at, uh, can, you put, can you put the NIV up for just verse 37? Is that a problem? N-I-V. Let's all look at it together. No word from God will ever fail. So, tonight we're just saying, God... We'll never believe that anything that you have told us will not come to pass. How many years do you think you have left on planet Earth? I've been studying the lady that lived 122 years and seven months. She's the longest that we have record of that had a birth certificate. 
122 years and seven months. How many think you could outdo her? I mean, he promised us long life. I'm not going to take anything else other than long life. And he promised us a satisfied life that will be done when we're done. No matter what other people tell you, no matter what other people say, when people tell you, you just, you just never know what could happen, you're not promised tomorrow. If people tell you that, they don't know the Bible. I don't, I don't, don't make a doctrine out of it. Don't slam somebody upside the head with it. Don't yell and scream and holler and get in a fight with people over things like that. But I'm telling you, you can know your tomorrow. He promised us tomorrow. He promised us. And he promised us long life until we're satisfied. He did. And people that don't believe it, if you don't believe that, I'm just saying, you're not not understanding some things that the word says, you don't want to be over there on that side of that thinking, you see, and think that way. You want to be over here where you believe you're promised tomorrow. And you know why I know I'm promised tomorrow? Not because I'm so good. I'm promised tomorrow because of what I prayed this morning and what I declared today. And tonight when I go to bed, I'll say this. Father, I thank you that you've given your angels charge over me, that they encamp around about me, they protect me in all my ways, right? Remember, my faith for my journey can only do so much for other people. But what matters for my journey is my faith and confidence in what God says is so. Remember, we talked about on Sunday, the last Sunday that I preached, not to think of yourself more highly than you should think. Don't overestimate yourself. You know what that really means? What I'm realizing that that really means is don't think of yourself to a place that's not true. But if he said that his angels encamp around about me and they protect me, do you think that the angels of God come up short ever? I'm not talking about all of us putting our heads together and trying to figure this out. I'm talking about God. God, if God has given his angels charge over me, then will they ever come up short? Not in my lifetime. Do I have a right to believe that? Am I overestimating myself and am I in pride by saying something that God says is so? I say no. But I have many people tell me and they'll look at me. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll look at me knowing what I believe, telling me that I'm not promised tomorrow. I've had many, many people tell me that. I don't argue with them. If you don't want to be promised tomorrow and some semi is going to take you out or, or whatever, and I, listen to me, People that have left here prematurely that shouldn't have left in a certain way do not ever have an attitude like you're something and you're holier than thou and you are a whatever because somebody, somebody left prematurely in some different situation. You don't know their journey. You don't know what's gone on in their life. You have compassion for them. You love them. You pray with them. You encourage them. Never have that attitude. But I'm talking about with you and God, God wants you not to believe his word through someone else's experience. He wants you to believe his word, single-minded, stuck over here, not over here on the wrong side. I'll never be on the wrong side in my thinking ever again. And that's a full-time job every day. And if you don't work at it on a day-to-day basis, I'm telling you, the devil will jerk the slack out of you and all of us deal with our flesh. All of us have issues. All of us deal with problems and things that come against us and try to take, you know, try to consume our time and all those kind of things. But I cannot underestimate the power of the spoken word that liberates me and sets me free. That's why I'm telling, even if you can't be here Sunday, you make sure to listen or download the message from Sunday because you need what I'm going to say. You need this word right here, and you need the words these next two Sundays. You need to listen to them. Don't underestimate it. Don't take it for granted. You understand? It's not because I'm preaching it. See, if that's what I thought, then I'm overestimating myself. It's what God gave me. And when God gives you something, and he gives your leader something to give you, you got to value that and do something with it because it's 
precious. It's his word. It's what he wants to say to you. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like you and I being liberated and free. Free in our thinking, free in who we know that we are, and being convinced as Robert the Bruce was. I'm never going to be on the wrong side again. <laughs> Ever. I've been on the wrong side. I fought with my religious traditions, with Robert the Bruce. What he fought with was tradition of the Bruces that were handed down that we're going to be about ourselves and not about our country. We're going to cow down to England and to the rule and that rule over the people. And the handful of us here in Scotland are going to be rich and wealthy and everybody else is going to be paupers. That's not the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is we got to all move together, right? It's not about two or three of us grabbing hold and getting revelation and moving ahead and being the, the top dogs and doing whatever. No, it's about us moving together. Can you say amen? God wants you and I to believe that what he's done for us is more than enough. And there's not anything you face that you don't already have the answer on the inside. Just stay with it. Get to the place where you know in whom you believed for this thing, for that thing. Now another thing, now something else and something else and something else. There's all kinds of things in your life. You may believe in a certain area. You're struggling over here in another area. The way you're believing over here, just begin to apply the principles to this other area on this side. Amen? Amen. I didn't read verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be according to your word. And you and I, in that moment, in that decision right there, you and I were set free. That's how powerful God is. It's a choice. She made a choice for all of humanity. And when she made that choice, you and I were free that very moment. Whether she conceived in her womb that moment or not, that's when the process started. And when you make a choice to believe the word of God, the process starts. <clears throat> a while back, my wife and I were, we, we had a certain amount of money that was a, was a sacred offering that we were sowing in the ground. And we had the offering, and we prayed over the offering, but we didn't sow the offering that day. But the moment that we prayed over it, it was in the ground. You see, because it was going. I mean, I mean, somebody would have had to come in our house and steal that money for that not to go in that direction because we already settled it. When Mary said, so be it according to his word, it was settled. The benefits of that being in the ground and producing for us already started. Not when we actually released it out of our hands. It's when we put our faith toward it. Amen? And when you do that and you make choices, there's no end to what God will do in our lives.